Welcome to A Different Way of Traveling. This is a podcast where we discuss travel for persons with disabilities and special needs in South Africa and beyond with our host, Lois Strachan. Join us as we share inspiring stories of people who travel, exciting accessible travel experiences, and showcase service providers who will accommodate those with special needs. And now, on with the show. I'm Lois Strachan. You're listening to A Different Way of Traveling, a podcast on accessible travel brought to you by Accessible South Africa. Today, we're interviewing an international guest speaking to Anjali Singler from Delhi in India on the topic of psychosocial disabilities and particularly travel with chronic anxiety disorder. In the second half of the show, we're asking you to help give a child with a disability the gift of adventure with the Warrior on Wheels Foundation and the Cape Town Cycle Tour. But first, let's dive into that interview with Anjali Singh. Today on A Different Way of Traveling podcast, we're talking to Anjali Singler from Delhi in India. And often when we talk about travel and accessibility, we talk about physical access for people with mobility impairments or sight impairments or even with hearing impairments. But very seldom do we talk about the aspect of psychosocial disabilities. And today we're going to be chatting to Anjali about that subject. Anjali, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's a pleasure to be here. Maybe we can just start by asking you to introduce yourself to the listeners. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do. Uh, So I'm um, Anjali and I am a psychologist by training and currently I'm working with an NGO in India called the Banyan who specialize in working with homeless uh, individuals who experience mental illnesses. And I work as a research associate and a part-time faculty teaching at the Department of Psychology with my areas of um, sort of expertise being trauma psychology. And I work with refugees and tribal populations. Um, From January onwards, I will be taking over Um, the Movement for Global Mental Health as the principal coordinator. And you yourself live with a psychosocial disability, am I correct? That's correct. So I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder with anxiety at circa 2012. And since then, I have been on and off medication and, um, you know, various forms of therapy. The... The focus of our podcast that we're we're talking on today is around the concept of travel. That can be both local or international travel, travel for leisure or business. So can you tell us a little bit about the travels that you've done and the type of impact that the the condition that you live with can have Mm -hmm. when you're traveling? 
Yeah, so I've traveled both internationally and nationally. And um, over the last nine months, um, there has been uh, increase in, in the amount I have traveled due to work and other reasons. Um, and I have realized that, you know, I often, I'm prone to anxiety attacks on planes and flying is particularly scary for me. So I consciously try to avoid late night flights because that, that seems to be a trigger for me. And oftentimes when I'm traveling, um, a lot of negative thoughts, I, I they, they start and I'm not able to sort of um, control my triggers. Um, for instance, I till last year, I refused to travel in trains. And the only reason for that was because I'm so unfamiliar with, you know, what is going to happen? What if I miss the stop? And these things cause for me to have very restrictive movements. And it's actually often misconstrued as me not wanting to travel. Um, so it does impact uh, at some level, you know, the work that I do or my, uh, you know, uh, social commitments in, in many, many ways. When you're traveling, are there processes, routines, um, or even technology apps that you're using yeah. that help you to, to manage that anxiety? Yes. Yeah, so actually making lists and having a record of uh, what needs to be done next is a very calming process for me. So uh, what I do is two days before I travel, I need to sit, have a list of what needs to be done and what is sort of a plan of action. And the app that I use generally is Trello, T-R-E-L-L-O. And there is, um, it, it helps me plan my schedule better. Um, so basically, it comes down to planning and organizing what the next two days before the travel and on the day of travel look like. Um, so even if it is like that, and I have this sort of a habit or a routine to reach uh, the airport or the station at least two and a half hours prior, even if that's not needed. And if that doesn't happen, I start spiraling. So I'm very particular that I don't change, you know, certain routines. And like, I don't take aisle seats, for instance. Uh, sorry, I only take aisle seats, for instance. I never take other seats because, again, that's a ritual in my head and um, it helps me stay calmer. So the the challenges then for you when you're traveling, if if the, if plans change, that would just increase your anxiety. Yes, definitely. And if that happens, then I'm not able to function. Some in some cases, um, generally my uh, sort of you know problem solving abilities don't work, and I'm very easily flustered and I sort of, uh, you know, yeah, I can't plan my next step. So it's very, very important for me to stick to that plan. And that is why even flight delays or cancellations, I don't um, cope with them very well. Would you kind of talk us through some of the challenges that you face when you're traveling and, and you know, either internationally 
or locally. Maybe we can look at them in two separate mm-hmm. conversations. Yeah. Yeah. So, for instance, um, international travel, you know, there is more paperwork involved. There is more, um, so to say, in my head, I would say there are, there are possible, the probability of something going wrong is more. And that could be as simple as my documents not being enough or losing something and or missing a connecting flight. So what helps me really is just um, so I tend to open, I keep notes open in my mobile and I keep on writing as to where I am currently and then where do I need to go next. Um And talking about travel within the country, I think um, only this year I pushed myself a little and I started traveling in trains. And that was my way of sort of, you know, addressing the issues that I face. And so it would mean that I was at the station about two and a half hours early when you don't need to do that. Or I would just make sure that... um, you know, I keep on repeatedly checking the the ticket that I have is correct, the platform that I'm on is correct, and I tend to keep my anti-anxiety medications very handy because on trains I don't know, but what if the trigger is more? Um, and but apart from all of that, um, what I really struggle with sometimes is um, the local commute. Um, you know. Because traveling in the metro and buses can come with their own set of stressors. Um, And that includes being in an overly crowded space and also instances of uh, the fear of, um, you know, harassment or assault in many, many cases. So that further becomes um, an added stressor when it comes to daily commutes. How do you mitigate some of those anxieties? Because there's not a lot you can do about mm-hmm. how how busy the the services are. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, are there ways that you can, or practices that you can implement to help mitigate the the anxiety? Yeah. So I often choose um, certain timings to the to the extent that I can when I know that the lines won't be that crowded, or I generally put on some calming music or noise cancelling headphones um, that help me, um, you know, distance um, from all that is happening around. Um, And that helps me sort of keep going. Um, Oftentimes, when I'm not able to uh, cope with the crowded space, I get off at the next station and I... It's, I prefer waiting for the, for a train that may be comparatively emptier to than continuing the whole route in the train that I actually boarded on. Those sound like some very practical suggestions and mm-hmm. and and practices that you're using. Understanding that some features and some factors around travel can't be impacted on too much what advice would you give to service providers on how to make their services more user-friendly for persons Mm -hmm. with psychosocial disabilities and more specifically with your anxiety 
um, that mm-hmm. the, the anxieties of that someone like you have? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that our you know very hardworking individuals in travel industry they if there is a basic amount of training in identifying distress of somebody with a psychosocial disability would be a good start because oftentimes when you make a certain request that is that you know maybe if um whether it could be uh, you know something as simple as accommodating a request to change the seat or you know asking for assistance there's often a sense of um this doesn't seem like a real concern to me um so a training there would be a good start as to how do you address somebody who's coming with some sort of um uh, you know a psychological distress um and also there should be i would say ideally if there could be some spaces that are relatively calmer or safe uh, for individuals who need to sort of take a minute from all that's happening around them and they can you know something like airports generally have um changing rooms for you know like for for mothers right something as simple as a space for individuals who just need to sit for a minute calmly can because that is not what you get often and that that would be i feel very important in helping individuals with psychological disabilities so the ability to feel that there is a safe space Mm-hmm. for them to to kind of regather their energies yeah and and also that the individuals who are who are providing you the service they understand if not fully but can at least don't make you feel like what you're experiencing is completely invalid and that what you're ex- sort of vo- verbalizing to that particular person is um not worthy of any attention because in my travel around the country i have seen so many times individuals struggling with certain issues and not getting uh, proper help because it's seen as something that's not very worthy of attention i think in many ways that's one of the the, the biggest challenges because for someone like me who's totally blind my disability my my condition is fairly apparent i have my white mobility cane or i have my guide dog with me that's a signal to someone that my 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 needs are apparent it is obvious where i think the one of the challenges with psychosocial disabilities and any of the so called invisible conditions it's it's a lot harder to recognize that there is a a legitimate real need for assistance would you yeah. agree with that that that's one of the challenges absolutely and however i feel that it's high time that we address this concern because especially you know lamic countries and countries like india which have one of the highest rates for mental illnesses in the world um it's high time that we make these um illnesses visible to other people and we have a dialogue or have a conversation about these things in not just in probably travel but hospitality industries as well and say that 
we need to make more spaces accessible to all kinds of people and yes we are still fighting and we are still uh, you know we still have this movement that is trying to make spaces more accessible for individuals with physical disabilities but at the same time we need to join in you know um with more um sort of vigor with people with psychosocial disabilities as well and and that's that's i that's how i feel it will also be more in, impactful um to sort of bring about some change um in this context i think it's a very important conversation to to be having mm-hmm. and i think the 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 work that is happening through organizations like yours and the the global mental health organization the network peer network is such an important conversation what advice would you give to someone who suffers no, suffers is the wrong word who lives with anxiety about being able to to get out and travel what advice would you give to them to help make it easier for them i would say take it one step at a time i know this sounds like a very generic advice to give but that is what i feel has been working with me um it's very important to not overwhelm yourself but at the same time try to push um you know little by little so for instance um if there is a particular means of travel that you're absolutely not comfortable with try exposing yourself to it in a small way it could be taking a bus ride from the first stop to the second stop or it could be just going to a metro station and coming back out and with anxiety what often helps is a sense of familiarity because the uncertainty is what gets to you so try to familiarize yourself with the space um and if there is a route or uh, something that you're not absolutely sure about it always helps to read about it um i have i have this habit of opening the the website of a particular airport where i am going and understanding about the airport before i go there and and that that particularly helps me so um take it little by little take it one step at a time but at the same but at the same time don't restrict yourself to absolutely you know not trying at all that that would be my advice thank you i'd like to move to a more general topic of accessibility and to ask what you think about the the general accessibility in terms of physical um, access of your city your country how would you what would you what 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 would you feel the accessibility is like generally in delhi and in india and um, that's a very important question it's a huge and, question isn't it <laughs> yeah it is and the thing is india is very um services are not same in each city so it depends a lot on several factors but for instance the accessibility for delhi metro is not the best 
but it's still way better than what the Chennai Metro has to offer. So there are varied levels of accessibility and that that further complicates um, the entire movement um, here in India. But most of our physical spaces are not very, um, you know, accessible, sort of accessibility friendly. And, but at the same time, things are changing. So what we have here in our country is something called the Right to Information Act. So people are writing to the to their local governments and local um, you know officials and asking why is it this way and why are you not building a ramp here or why are you not building you know the required infrastructure here needed and that is working so gradually our community parks our monuments they are in process of of working of being more accessible to all kinds of people. Um, yeah. I had the opportunity of spending a week in Kolkata a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And I was very aware that the areas that are accessible, I thought the accessibility mm-hmm. was fantastic. But mm-hmm. as, as you've said, I think there's still a fair amount of work to be done. And I know there's yeah. a lot of people who are doing yeah. amazing work to increase the accessibility of other areas with, within India and within their specific areas. So thank you for your, your comments there. It's, it's always useful. And I think you also underlined a very important factor that I, I do hear repeatedly on this podcast, mm-hmm. that research is fundamentally important if you're wanting to travel outside of your own environment. To yeah. research, to find out what is possible, what challenges you may have, what opportunities you may have. So I think that's a, it's a very important part of traveling for those of us with disabilities. Definitely. Anjali, would you let us know if people would like to contact you? How can they get hold of you? Definitely. Um, I'm at, you, anybody can write to me at anjali at balm.in. That's A-N-J-A-L-I at B-A-L-M dot in. And, um, yeah. Great. Thank you. So my final question then, why do you think that travel is important? Just generally, why, why is it important for people? But even more specifically, why is it important for those of us who perhaps have a, a condition or a disability or a, a living with a condition that may make challenge just a little bit harder? Why is it important? Um, to begin with, of course, travel is very important. You get to see what else is out there in terms of, you know, of course, seeing different places, meeting and learning about different cultures. But when somebody has a psychosocial disability or a physical disability, there is often and a conditioned aspect of this is not for me and and often a sort of helplessness and i think it is so important to challenge that and what i see travel is it doesn't have to be absolutely um on the opposite side of 
the world, but it could be as simple as visiting the next state that you live into, live in, right? And and challenging that thought that you're not limited by what you feel or you are taught that you're limited for, that it's not for you. And it is also important to to learn and network and see that okay if individual in this part of the country or this part of the world is using certain techniques to or methods to um you know fight with you know the limitations of the system or even challenging their um you know their fears is something that is very empowering and very motivating and that's why i feel that travel is absolutely essential for individuals with psychosocial disabilities as well as physical disabilities. Thank you so much. Some in very insightful thoughts in that response. Thank you. Today on A Different Way of Traveling, we've been chatting to Anjali Singler from Delhi in India on the topic of psychosocial disabilities. Anjali, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and for sharing some of your thoughts with us. It was lovely. Thank you for having me here. Have you ever wondered how much the gift of adventure could mean to a child with a disability? Warrior on Wheels Foundation is a charity that gives disabled children the gift of adventure. They do this through visits to tourist sites and travel experiences that children with disabilities very seldom may get to experience. Each year, the Warrior on Wheels Foundation partners with the Cape Town Cycle Tour to raise awareness and to raise funds for the great work they do. For those who don't know, the Cape Town Cycle Tour is an annual cycle race of 35,000 cyclists that takes place around the beautiful Cape Peninsula. Amongst those 35,000 cyclists are a number of children with disabilities and support riders who assist them to take part in this iconic event. We'd like to ask you to help make the gift of adventure more possible for these children with disabilities by donating to the Warrior on Wheels Foundation. To find out more, hop onto their website on www.warrioronwheels.co.za forward slash cape dash town dash cycle dash tour and help make it possible for more children with disabilities and their families to experience the gift of adventure. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of A Different Way of Travelling. It's been great to have you with us. If you'd like to find out more about Accessible South Africa, hop onto the website at www.accessiblesouthafrica.co.za. And if you'd like to follow what I'm up to in my personal capacity, you can find me on my website, www. .loisstrachen.com Right, let's close out with our monthly travel quote. 
This time, it's an anonymous quote that says, Travel is the only thing you buy that makes you richer. And on that note, we'll see you in the next episode. That's it from us for this time. You can find Accessible South Africa on the web at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za, on Facebook and Instagram at Accessible South Africa, and on Twitter at AccessibleSA. You can also email us at podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za. Editing by Craig Strachan using Hinderberg software. Our theme music is by Lu Chil Chow, based on a motif by Lloyd Stratton. Credits read by Musa Izulu. Thank you for joining us on A Different Way of Traveling. We'll see you next time. Until then, happy travels.